Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth coverage for real fans. Real fans just like us. We both subscribe to The Athletic. The WNBA Finals are upon us this week, and I am reading Chantel Jennings' coverage each and every day. Thank you, Chantel. Thank you, Chantel. Plus, it's ad-free. So go to theathletic.com slash bytes. That's theathletic.com slash bytes for 50% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. That's $36 a year for sports journalism that brings you closer to the action than you could ever dream of. Welcome to Legendary Bites, a podcast dedicated to two things we love, sports and brevity. I'm Seth. And I am Charlie. Each episode, we're going to bring you a bite-sized sports story in under 15 minutes that we find fascinating, important, or just plain absurd. Now, with brevity in mind, let's get into it. Charlie, what's on tap today? Today, we're going to tell you the story of Pete Gogolak, who kicked a football in such a weird way that he changed the sport forever. So today is all about kickers, those pesky little guys with thick thighs and those single-barred helmets. Love those Um, things. Yeah, those are great. Did you know, Charlie, that those unibars make up 49 out of the top 50 players on the NFL's all-time scoring list? Quick trivia, who is the one non-kicker on the NFL's top 50 all-time scoring list? Mm, I'm going to guess Bam Morris. I don't know who Bam Morris is. I'm going to assume he's Bam Margera's dad, but no, it's actually Jerry Rice. Apologies to Steelers and Jackass fans there. Um, (laughs) Kicking isn't flashy, but it's wildly important. Did you know that every single NFL team's all-time leading scorer is a kicker? Every one. For a bunch of them, it's their second and third leading scorer as well. Kickers love to score. That they do. And I bet for fans, more heartbreak and elation comes from a kicker's foot than from every other position combined. All you have to do to make a Minnesotan like us start twitching is to say the names Gary Anderson or Blair Walsh. Uh, Believe you me, I'm triggered at that. Uh, And that's because kicking always seems so easy compared to acrobatic catches and big hits. We never notice kickers like Gary Anderson and Blair Walsh uh, unless they screw up and miss. And that's because kicking seems almost automatic. But for a long time, it was anything but. It was basically a coin flip. And one day... A kicker that never really wanted to be a kicker came along and changed everything. And that kicker was Pete Gogolak. Like literally no football players ever, Pete Gogolak was born in Budapest, Hungary in 1942. Surprised he wasn't a water polo player. I I bet he dabbled in water polo. How can you not? Uh, Being a good European, one sport Gogolak did grow up playing was soccer. Uh, Unfortunately for the Gogolak family, but good for football fans, the Gogolaks immigrated to the U.S. when Pete was just a teen because of the 1956 Hungarian Revolution. Shout out to the Blood in the Water match episode in season one. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Such a good one. So the Gogolaks settled in Ogdensburg, New York, which is basically Canada. uh, And Pete was crushed to learn that his new American school didn't have a soccer team. He's a new kid. He's at a new school. Probably trying to make some friends so he doesn't have to Steven Glansberg in the lunchroom. Decides to try out a new sport and one that he's literally never seen before coming to America. So Gogolak swaps out his soccer shin guards for shoulder pads and joins the football team. It cannot be emphasized enough that Gogolak knew nothing about American football. He literally saw it on TV when he arrived in the U.S. That was his first introduction to the sport. But that ignorance was a crucial part of his success. 
So the first time he steps up to kick the oblong pigskin, he boots it with the side of his foot like a soccer player. Can you believe that? That may not seem revolutionary, but it was. Up until Gogolak's soccer-style kicking, football kickers would kick the ball in just about the stupidest way possible. They'd stand a few feet back behind the ball, run directly at it, and kick it straight on with their toes. These were toe kickers. And in those early days of football, the 30s, 40s, 50s, and in the early 1960s, most teams didn't even have designated kickers. Instead, linemen were mostly used because they were just the biggest guys on the team. So sending up the largest galoot on the field is generally a good strategy for fighting a dragon, but it is much worse strategy for placing a kickball between some field goal posts. Gogolak's kicking style is totally different. Due to his roots as a soccer player, he approaches the ball from an angle off to the side, plants his left leg, and then rotates his whole body to swing his kicking leg through the ball, striking it more with the side or the instep of his foot. A Hungarian-led revolution had come to the kicking game. And in 1956, the year of the actual Hungarian Revolution, which brought the Gogolak stateside, successful field goals were a rarity in football. College kickers were making around one in every 10 kicks. So Gogolak comes to Ogdensburg High, and kicking is crying out for some innovation. And Pete brings it, and his boot leads him all the way to Cornell's storied football program. Ivy League. Nice, Pete. I went to Cornell. You ever heard of it? <laughs> As the Gogolak stalker style kicking begins encroaching on the traditional toe kickers, an upstart rival football league was beginning to encroach on the traditional NFL. So the NFL, even then, is a behemoth. It's been around since 1920, withstood competition from a bunch of upstarts, and by 1959, the NFL has 13 teams and no real rival leagues. The owners love this because it means they can keep player wages relatively low. And in 1959, along comes a man named Lamar Hunt. Lamar Hunt is the son of a Texas oil magnate, and he was looking to get into the NFL as an owner. He wanted to buy a team and move them to Dallas, which would make them the only non-California team south of Washington, D.C. Pro football in Dallas? That'll never work. <laughs> yeah, well, Hunt's dreams of bringing pro football to Dallas is rejected. So he does what any other rebuffed rich guy would do and starts an entire rival football league. Enter the American Football League, a.k.a. the AFL. So the AFL kicks off in 1960, and it has eight teams. The Boston Patriots, Buffalo Bills, New York City Titans, Houston Oilers, Denver Broncos, Oakland Raiders, Los Angeles Chargers, and the Dallas Texans. Pro football in Dallas? That'll never work. <laughs> so four of these eight teams are in new markets, widening the exposure of professional football, and they're joined two years later by another two expansion teams, taking the league to 10 total teams. Though the NFL ignored that upstart AFL, a war between the two leagues had already begun, and the AFL had a huge advantage. Lamar Hunt recruited rich owners. Since they were so rich, they could be patient, they could eat some losses for a few years as the league began to kind of figure things out and build momentum as a league. By the mid-1960s, the two leagues were full-blown rivals. The AFL had just signed a $36 million broadcast deal with NBC, which was the first of its kind. And both leagues were in constant bidding wars trying to lure top college talent. It got so contentious that the leagues had their drafts on the same day, which is insane. So the AFL owners have the money to fight these bidding wars, but the owners in each league realize how much money that was going to cost them. So a gentleman's agreement is struck between the 30 or so very wealthy men that run the two leagues. This gentleman's agreement essentially kept players from jumping league to league for more money. Once a player signed with a team, be it the AFL or the NFL, Owners in both leagues were expected to honor those players' contracts and not attempt to lure them over to their league, 
even once that contract expired. To zoom out for a second, professional football is split between two rival leagues, fighting for college talent, fighting for TV rights, drafting in the exact same day. But this gentleman's agreement creates kind of a ceasefire that enables both leagues to coexist. Back to Pete Gogolak, the Steve Jobs of kicking. He's soccer kicking footballs all over the Ivy League when he catches the attention of Harvey Johnson, a guy from the front office of the AFL's Buffalo Bills. And the Bills have a kicking problem. No, we're not talking about Scott Norwood. Sorry, Bills fans. The previous four years leading up to this, the Bills went 26 of 62 kicking field goals. That's 41% for you percentage buffs out there. Quick math there, Seth. They also missed 16 extra points. That's terrible. Even worse, they have players with names like Cookie Gilchrist and Mac Yoho kicking for them. So I guess it's sort of to be expected. Imagine hearing this as a Bills fan, Charlie, back then. The Bills could win the game with this field goal. Their hopes now rest on the toe of Mac Yoho. Yeah, it's not going to give you a lot of hope. (laughs) No. So Johnson is desperate, and he hears about this Hungarian college kid. But the issue is that this kid can only kick, which wasn't a thing that teams brought in special guys to do back then. So Johnson goes down to Cornell to see Gogolak, and after spending an afternoon with this kicker, he comes back a changed man. It's as if he's a Swifty meeting Taylor after a concert. Harvey tells the Bills head coach that Gogolak is the greatest kicker he's ever seen. And with that, the great Gogolak is drafted by the Buffalo Bills in the 12th round of the AFL draft, which again, people are not drafting kickers back then. So Gogolak makes a strong first impression. His first game, he makes a 57-yard field goal, which at the time was the longest field goal in professional history. His rookie year, 1964, Gogolak sets the rookie record for scoring, which stood until 2020, and the Bills won the AFL championship. The next year, 1965, Gogolak leads the league in field goals, and the Bills win their second AFL championship. All right, here's where things get interesting. After two years, Gogolak is a star in the AFL, and his soccer-style kicking has made him wholly unique across both the professional leagues. You know, there are QBs with big arms in both leagues, there are running backs who can sprint fast in both leagues, there are linemen the size of houses in both leagues, but Gogolak is the only kicker who does what he does. And after his first two seasons, Gogolak decides to let his contract with the Bills expire so we can see what other AFL teams are willing to pay him. Surprisingly, though, no AFL teams reach out to him. Even more surprisingly, an NFL team does. The New York Giants are coming off an abysmal season where their rookie kicker made only one field goal in 15 attempts. Those are Ben Simmons' playoff free throw numbers. (laughs) Their kicking is so bad that the gentleman's agreement between the AFL and the NFL... The one that kept the two leagues from poaching each other's players and in doing so depressed player wages. That one? That's the one. That gentleman's agreement is cracking. Ahead of the 1966 season, Pete Ogalak, the Hungarian Revolution, which is a nickname we've coined, uh, he signs a contract with the New York Giants, making him the first player in six years to jump from one league to the other league. Charlie, give me that Gogolak quote. Business is business. Coming from Eastern Europe and communism, I love the capitalist system. This is a free country and you can market yourself, which is wonderful. It is wonderful, Gogolak. And as you can imagine, all hell breaks loose. The AFL was furious that Gogolak jumped to the NFL, and players started getting poached both ways. The team owners in both leagues quickly saw that without this gentleman's agreement, their poaching and bidding for players was unsustainable for both leagues. Then the dominoes fall quick. Gogolak signs his contract in May, and by June, amidst all-out war between the leagues, the AFL and NFL decide this is going to lead to the players getting way too much money 
So they decide to merge. And at the end of each season, they decide the best AFL team is to play the best NFL team in what would be known as the Super Bowl. Drum roll, please. The official merger day, all family, welcome breakfast. So Pete Ogilak causes the merger of the AFL and the NFL. Big whoop. Let's get back to his soccer style kicking. When we say he started a kicking revolution, we mean that kicking a football would never be the same again. After Gogolak starts kicking, other European soccer-style kickers begin to come play in the NFL, and by 1977, half the teams in the league have a foreign-born soccer-style kicker. In 1987, the last toe kicker retires, and from then on, it's been all soccer-style kicking. Field goal percentages as a league dramatically go up year after year. When the leagues merge in 1966, they're at 55%. By 2020, they're all the way up to 85%. Eat your heart out, percentage buffs. Gogolak would play nine seasons for the Giants, scoring a total of 646 points for them, which, of course, still makes him the all-time leading scorer for the team. So this immigrant boy from Budapest who fled to America for a new life would change the most uniquely American sport in so many ways. He not only pioneered the modern style of kicking, but the chaos unleashed when he switched leagues, led to the creation of the modern NFL as we know it. So when your team lines up to kick the game-winning field goal in the Super Bowl, you've got Pico Galak to thank for pretty much all of that. Blair Walsh from 27 yards left hash. Snap good, spot down, Walsh's kick is up, and it is no good, he missed it! Are you kidding me? The season can't end like that! Thank you to our producer Patrick Buddy, to Josh Yeston for his design talents, and to Jerry Rice for being the only non-kicker on the NFL's top 50 scoring list. Follow us on all things social, at LegendaryBites underscore, a lot more interesting nuggets from each story. While you're listening, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, preferably five stars, but we'll leave that up to you. Finally, subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to get more great 15-minute stories on sports, history, and everything in between.